Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Welcome to yet another episode of the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifemi Okuntuye. It's October, and every October, it's International Day of the Girl Child. The theme for this year is our time is now. Our rights will be on this episode. On any given day, uh, more than... <laughs> I think we've lost Nifemi. Well, since we're live, we have to carry on and Nifemi will come back and join us. But I think Nifemi was um, essentially talking about the importance of today's podcast, which has to do with the recognition that we've just had um, International Girl Child Day. And um, as we were discussing amongst ourselves, what should be the topic of this podcast? I felt it was important for us to talk about menstrual health and well-being because all girls, um, unless they've transitioned or they have some biological changes, will experience menstrual periods, menstrual cycles, and then of course, um, menopause and all the other things that come through. And we all know that the importance of, men of oh, I was going to go into my mental health thing, the importance of menstrual health and well-being is, is critical when you look at the rights of girls the ability for them to function, for them to go to school, um, for them to be integral parts of society. And very often, but particularly in this part of the world and in others as well, um, girls, menstruating girls and women are deemed um, unclean and um, not, not their taboos. And those taboos prevent them from being part of the greater societal issues. So you know, it's always been a topic of interest to me. And um, with more and more advocacy going on right now with um, period poverty, I just felt that it was important for us to really look at this from a public health um, issue, but also from a societal and personal issue. So, um, you know, I personally have always felt that um, because we live in a patriarchal society, many of the rights of women to the things that they need to be healthy, particularly for menstruating girls and women, um, gets negated. And I do recall many years ago, we visited some schools in um, Ogun State, and I noticed that there was a low number of girls in school. And they explained to me that the girls just don't come when they have their periods. So when you think about girls in school and you think about the number of days of a cycle for a girl in any given month, and you start to calculate that into years, um, you begin to see the loss of learning um, that occurs um, with girls um, because they, their bodies have a natural process that they go through. Um, and then when you look at the issues of female genital mutilation, that itself also compounds, you know, the physical, emotional, social, mental aspects of periods. 
So I'm going to start with um, our guest today, Annie, who is joining us for the first time, um, Dr. Annie. Um, who is a public health advisor. Thank you for joining us. And then, of course, we have um, Mrs. Ngozi Ezeachi, who is, a, a, you know, an advocate for women and um, has an NGO that's really focused on um, things that are needed and necessary um, for people to progress in life. Um, so I'm going to welcome and thank you for joining us. And hopefully Nifemi will come back soon. So let's talk about this topic because we are women. And I'm sure if I asked you to describe your experience as a woman and your periods, there will be lots of stories. But I'm always curious to ask women, how did you feel when you had your first period? And how? what was the reception that you received? Because that really determines how you live and cope with others when you have a period. So going to start with you, Annie, what was your experience? Were you? Did you talk about it in your family? Was there health education or did it just happen and suddenly it's like, oh, you're a woman now? <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Ama, for having me. First of all, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. And to answer your question about my experience, I think it was uh, a memorable one. I think it happened at about 12 and a half years of age. Um, I remember that day vividly, I was home on the holidays and I just noticed that I decided to be on my period. So I just then reached out to my elder sister. Luckily, I have, um, I grew up with a lot of um, siblings who are female, so they had more experience than myself and they just put me through. Um, before then, I also had the opportunity to read up on things like menstruation, you know, adolescent age and things like that. So that as I progressed to become, uh, to attain that level in my life, I kind of knew what to expect and things. But I know, of course, that's not the same experience for everyone. But I was lucky to have a support system around me uh, when I attained Menaki. Mrs. Eziashi, can we hear you out of this? Well, mine wasn't as <laughs> straightforward. Um, I, I went to an all-girls school. So um, talking about menstruation and periods is nothing new because it was, I went to Queen's College, Yaba. So when you're in an all-girls school, you find that it's something that we all talk about. Um, as a matter of fact, if your period starts late, you start feeling left out because you, you want to be with everybody. You want to be part of that group mm -hmm. that have started their period. Well, mine wasn't as straightforward. I started, I think, around 11, 12 years old as well, but I had very regular periods from the get-go. And I think um, they were very regular. I would like I would go months without my period from, from the start. And um, it continued like that for a long time until, um, and my period remained irregular even until I got married. I, my, I did go to see a doctor, a gynecologist. My, my mom took me to see a gynecologist to try to regulate it when I was much younger, around 17, by putting me on contraceptives to try to get it to regularize. I was on that for maybe a year. And once I went off it, once I went off it, same thing happened, you know. So that I had to, so for me, that was my story for most of my you know, adolescent years of having my period, very regular periods. I know you know men don't menstruate, but men also have their first experience of um, 
everything a woman must do. I remember as a secondary school student, um, usually we just find a female colleague with stained uniform. And it comes with a lot of drama, you know, with the guys. Perhaps mm -hmm. because we really don't know what's happening and, you know, we don't have as much education as the, as the young ladies. Who knows exactly what's happening to their body at the time and the changes, you know. We just laugh about it. And then there are also some crazy ideas about, oh, she's already having sex or, or she's pregnant. I mean, some really crazy ideas, you know, that run in our mind then as, as you know, as young boys in school. But Dr. Ama, even on the average, women have periods for around 40 years of their life. Then perhaps the issue of menstrual health um, uh, perhaps forms an integral part of well-being that we all have come to acknowledge. Well, absolutely. And I agree with you. And I think that's the reason why this conversation is, is poignant because um, when you think about menstrual health and well-being, you're talking about the physical, you're talking about the mental, you're talking about the social, you know, the girls that were being um, ridiculed or taunted because their uniforms were stained. Those are the girls that usually become um, self-conscious and then begin to hide and think that there's something wrong with them. Those are also the girls who will not come to school because they have their period and they don't want to be embarrassed because it can be embarrassing to walk around with a stained uniform and everyone is laughing. So that stigma um, has to go. I mean, in some cultures, girls have their periods or women have their periods and they're in a hot and they're not allowed to be seen. They're thought of as unclean. So it's really important for us to begin to change that mindset and get people to understand that it is a natural thing. It is something that we women all go through, um, as I said, unless they've transitioned. Um, and it is important for us to have a healthy attitude towards um, menstrual cycles um, because that helps girls to continue to be confident. It helps women to look after their well-being, their reproductive health, you know, the things like reproductive rights. And when you begin to negate how a woman feels and the things that a woman is dealing with, um, you, you sort of reduce them in, in terms of their, their, their status and their feelings about themselves. But I think that all boils down to being a patriarchal um, society. And so to, to get that sort of equity, uh, it's important for us to address it. As you well know, in some countries, they're actually offering free menstrual products um, at state schools now, and there's a massive campaign so that the education of girls is not stunted because they have a biological um, a period, you know, it's a biological phase of their lives. And in some places, they've actually stopped taxing. When you think about people being taxed for a product that they need every month for, you know, four to seven days, and even longer for the girls who have gone through um, female genital mutilation, you know, because in many cases, there isn't a way for them for that blood to flow naturally. Um, it becomes rather um, discouraging, but also can it can affect them mentally as well, and emotionally. So, you know, I, I think it's a topic that we need to address. And who knows, maybe somebody on this panel is going to start a period poverty campaign in Nigeria or and because it's necessary. You know, there are many girls who just 
are not taking care of themselves. They're using rags for crying out loud. Um, that leads to other infections that they have to live with and deal with. Dr. Henny, you talked about how you, uh, how your elder sister has helped you navigate your first experience with menstruation. Uh, not many other young girls are that lucky to have people, you know, help them, teach them, and help them along with their first experience. Usually, there are still many uh, mysterious cloud hanging around the concept of menstruation. Some consider you unclean. There are religions, there are particular religions that do not, uh, you would be able to pray if you're on your period. But as everyone on this panel knows that menstruation is completely healthy. I mean, it's, it's a completely healthy part of a woman's life. But would you say that there's enough education in our society, particularly to address all of the issues that are shrouding this concept? No, not I mean, unfortunately not at this point. Um, even though women have been menstruating for years, I think the level of education has still not matched the experience. Um, there are still a lot of myths, like you mentioned, around menstruation. There's still a lot of um, knowledge gap just even among the society community and also um you know just general people in the family brothers <laughs> men and things in schools i mean i when dr Ma was talking about um you know girls not coming to schools because you know they're afraid that they might be embarrassed if they have any mishap just because they're on their period um, i just want to say that my own experience was not completely seamless my first experience was seamless because I had the support of my, my siblings to pull me through. But um, I still had an accident in school, so to speak, uh, where my uniform got stained and I didn't have anything to change with. And it was really awkward. I was wishing at that time I was in SS2. If I was in SS3, I would have had a small jacket that comes as part of my uniform, which I would have used to cover the, you know, the stain. So I really had to manage you know, um, that situation you know, um, and then find my way home you know and things like that and then the next day I thought about do I quit from the school <laughs> what are my options now how do I go back to school and then you know, face all my classmates seeing that they had seen me get stained the previous day but I guess you know that's where the mental strength comes in to say okay well, now that that has happened you have to move forward you still have to continue going to school and you know, giving it your best shot and things like that. So I guess uh, many girls have had this experience that I have and all of that. But I wish that, you know, for example, um, the education is there, you know, um, we, are, we are comfortable to have these types of conversations, both with adolescent men and, and women, you know, boys and girls, so that they are aware and they don't make fun of, you know, people who are going through their periods, for example, you know, it's not something to joke about. And they provide the support that you may need at that point in time because youth are also going through something biological, but can also be stressful if not if you don't have the support. So I guess that to, to your point about education, not just education for the girls and the boys, but also the teachers who are in the schools, the counselors, um, the nurses, the adults in the system who are able to provide adequate support will also be important as well as um, religious leaders, community leaders, and things like that. Like just removing the taboo about menstruation and making people understand that it's a normal, natural, biological process 
that everyone goes through and there's nothing strange or mysterious about it. Uh, so women should be supported to have the, uh, the best experience even that, at that time of the month. Yeah, if I could add, can I just add something to that? I think we need to start with the parents. There are many parents who do not discuss um, menstruation with their children. Um, literally, the, the young ladies learn from their friends mm -hmm. or, or they go online to look. So I think it starts with parents. Parents need to have conversations with their children. Um, and then, of course, expand that to the educational and the communal and societal. But th there needs to be education. But it needs to start with parents being comfortable. So if a, if a mother is not comfortable with her menstrual cycle, her menstrual life, she's not going to have that conversation with her daughter. Her daughter will just get a period and say, oh, I'm, I hurt myself. No, you didn't hurt yourself. It's a natural mm -hmm. thing. So those conversations need to start with, um, with, with parents, particularly mothers, um, who can then share their experience and tell stories about how they've, you know, what it means and, 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 um, and how they can get along with what's going on. Um, I also think that we need to stop having, personally, I think uh, menstruating girls should not be wearing white uniforms because if they have an accident in school, they don't have a way of covering up. I mean, she's talking about having a jacket and not having a jacket at a certain or, or a cardigan. I think we need to change the color of clothing that they wear to be sensitive to the fact that a girl could start her cycle whilst she's at school. And if she doesn't have anything, then she stop wearing that. And many schools don't provide sanitation. You know, we're talking about the actual process, but what about the issue of sanitation? Because mm -hmm. how do you then take care of yourself if there is if there are no sanitary conditions within the schools to support these girls when they are menstruating? Menstruating is a cycle. What about the sanitation? That's important. What about the environment? being understanding because when women have their cycle some have mood swings sometimes mm -hmm. their behavior changes all of those things need to come into play so it's it's um, education is important but it needs to start with parents in my opinion and then branch out for them i'll just take continue from where you started dr Amma. there are books out there with a lot of information but i think we should actually even just start by letting them know that it's actually a natural process that their body is going through the changes, the biological, physical, and psychological changes are normal. So that the girl, there's no fear when it happens because really it's, it can be a scary first time, mm -hmm. you know, when it happens to you as a young girl, it can be scary. But I think we have to start by letting them understand that there's nothing to be afraid of. It's normal, it's natural, and it's an important phase of their life and and then teach them at that stage i'm happy with the fact that we're looking at menstrual health in a very broad way today we're looking at um the well-being the um the health education empowerment and the right of the girl because all that comes together during that period self-aware once it starts because once your period starts then the, the changes in your body start as well. You start to see the different changes in your body that you also have to get used to. You know, your mm -hmm. curves are coming out more, maybe your breasts are getting fuller. So all these things start around the same time. So it's, 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 the parents have to make them understand that it's normal, it's natural, embrace it, 
and be be very um very conscious of yourself look after yourself and i think that is very um important information is key both from home from the parents and also from school because they spend a lot of their time in school as well with other girls so we have to look at these taboos and these myths and make sure they are all removed so information is key you know what am i going to how do i manage it hygiene is very very important as well we have to look at hygiene um and um, dr ama mentioned um countries now um i when i when i did the research i think there are about 20 countries now in the world that are providing um free sanitary products for girls in secondary high school and i think that's important because um if hygiene is not taken care of then they have they have to deal with reproductive um infections reproductive tract infections mm -hmm. which they have to go into you know all that so it's a lot to it's a lot to teach, but it's not hard to break it down and let them understand. They have to look after themselves. They have to embrace themselves. They have to be aware. Indeed. Be shamed because they're on their periods. No, they should be confident about it. This is the Thinking Reimagine podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. I like the fact that we are exploring the importance of good information and practices. Um, Dr. Ama earlier talked about a supportive environment uh, such that it can aid the proper management of menstruation without stigma or embarrassment. Uh, let's, let's explore the issue of menstrual hygiene, uh, access to water, sanitation, wash facilities which i like to believe is critical to all of the things we're talking about for instance i there was a conversation about why condoms are free and sanitary pads aren't who would like to talk about that do you want me to say what i always say nifemi <laughs> please do <laughs> it's a patriarchal society Anything that helps men, deals with men, will always get a priority. When women take a seat at the table and they start to push the agenda for women, you will find that period products will become more vastly, um, vastly available. It's a patriarchal society. It's the men using the condoms. It's not the women using the condoms. Yeah, they buy it for the men to use it or they pick it up for the men to use it, but it's not about the women, it's about the men. So we can turn it around and make period health and period um, health the most, the most vital part of it. You will find that more women will come to the fore. Why not? You hand out free condoms. Why not hand out free sanitary pads, free sanitary products? Why not? Why not? 
about the men. So when you change that philosophy, when you change that mindset, it will become a priority. It's just not at this moment. But I'm glad that there are countries that are leading the charge. And if you look to those countries, it's the women in charge in those countries. And so they're pushing that agenda. And the women are at the table pushing the agenda. So we need to come back and look at the situation in the country where we all are located at this moment. It's not a priority. It is not a priority. If you don't have money to buy sanitary um, products, then go ahead and use the nearest rag or just hope that when it flows, you go and sit in a hole. It, it's, it's terrible, but you've got to make sanitary conditions suitable for girls. They will come to school if they have the products. They will come to school if there's water to wash their hands or, and they can feel comfortable. You know, the other thing that I always want to talk about is women's confidence. I have noticed that girls, once they start their period, their confidence level drops. They become body conscious. We need to work with girls to become more um, comfortable with their bodies. And I think Mrs. Azayachi alluded to this. When you're comfortable with your body and what is going on with your body, you're more likely to speak up, to be active, to participate. When people start... Um, nitpicking or commenting about your body changes, particularly for girls, because their changes are so visible. You can see it. You can't hide those changes. It's important for us to help build that support that they need to step into being a woman, um, even though it started at a rather young age. Mm -hmm. And then talking about hygiene, you know, um, hygiene practices, during your menstruation, during your, you know, during menstruation is very important. And like I said before, lack of, lack of good hygiene practices will lead to reproductive tract infections. And that gets, that makes everything more complicated. But when you talk about hygiene, you're talking of, okay, let's say doing a really heavy flow, you're asking a girl to change every four to six hours. Now that's a lot of, sanitary products. It's a lot. And then I think Dr. Amma mentioned, they don't come cheap. So it, it's, it's, it's one thing to look at hygiene and tell them, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You have to, you know, change so frequently. But then you have to also understand that changing frequency comes at a cost. If you ask them to change, you know, four to six times in a day, because that's what it is when you have a really heavy um, flow during the, maybe the first three, four days, you know? So it's, it's, it's something I think like Dr. Ama said, you know, we have to look at how do we make it, how do we make it easier for young girls? Not just, you know, talking, not just giving the information, but how do we make it actually, make it practically easier for them? And we're talking about, we're not just talking about girls in the rural areas. And you, you, want, you don't even want to imagine how they cope because there, they don't, might not even have access to the sanitary products. I'm going to talk of water to wash regularly and all the other challenges. But even in the urban areas, there's still challenges dealing with young girls and how to keep clean during their, their, their menstrual period. Absolutely. 
Um, yes, I really agree with you. The point you made about hygiene, I think is very important. I would like to look at it from the angle of the school. Um, I think just referencing my own story, I think the ch my own challenge was the plumbing was broken. So there was a running water in the school bathrooms. And there are many schools like that at the time not really a priority if there's no flowing water, running water in um, the female bathrooms and things like that. So wash, it, it extends beyond the home. If you are more, you're more comfortable, if you have access to running water, you can change frequently. Um, if your clothes get soiled, you can wash up and change your clothes. Or you are restricted, for example, if you're in the school setting where you have to wear the uniform and you, have, you are dressed for the day. So that's the only outfit you have for that day. And so in situations where things happen, there are slip ups and things, um, you know, it's important for schools to be aware that there's need for running water, for example, in the female bathrooms and indeed everywhere. And then of course, access to sanitary pads. Um, of course, the girls may have to come with hers, but in situations where she's run out of supplies, she still needs something to use, those things should be made available, even if maybe she has to be for a data or something. But those types of support is what I'm speaking to in terms of you know having hygiene, access to proper hygiene during one's menstrual period. And like you said, it's also something that's important because if it's not properly managed, um, you know, it can give um, genitourinary tract infections. So again, looking at all these aspects, but just to speak to the feminist point where he talked about condoms being free, but sanitary products not being free, I think it's just more to me, it speaks to a challenge. You know, I think there has been a lot of um, advocacy about sexual and reproductive rights and things, and that's why condoms are now free. But I think we also need to uh, take up our advocacy for menstrual health and well-being up in notch as well, putting pressures on the relevant systems to ensure that um, this is prioritized to ensure that, again, girls have access to quality education and live their lives normally, even if they're on their period. Indeed, it's getting interesting now. Let's talk about the concept of menstrual leave from Spain to Australia. Earlier this year, we've been hearing news of legislation in that regard of um, having um, some sense of equality in the workplace, giving women two or three days off for the administration period. Um, I like us to think about um, the the effectiveness of that, bearing in mind that the woman is still going to take her uh, three months leave. So think of it from the employer's perspective. Will it bring equality? Uh, will it really bring equality into the workplace dynamics? You know, if you think about it from an employer's point of view. Well, Nifemi, I'm going to start by saying something that um, very often we don't speak about is the changes that girls and women experience um, as they go, as they prepare for their cycle, as their body changes in preparation for a cycle. You know, most people talk about PMS, um, which some people say, oh, it's a woman's thing. It's, oh, yeah, it's just that she's going through a phase. And they belittle it. But the reality is when a woman, when a girl, let's start with a girl, when a girl starts um, her cycle, two weeks before the cycle, the body changes, the, the chemistry in the brain changes, the hormonal level changes. In some cases, the mood changes. And there is such a thing as premenstrual dysphoria um, disorder, where literally is as if you're in the house, in the space with a completely different human being than you would normally experience. And there are women who suffer from this. And sometimes they need to go through therapy. They need to take medications to sort of 
reduce the anxiety. Periods can affect your immunity. They can affect your mood. They can affect your sleep. They can, they can affect all aspects of your life. So if a woman suffers from this, they sh it's, it's an illness. They need to have the time to get through that phase and then be able to produce. When your moods are off, when you're dealing with anxiety, when you're not sleeping, you cannot produce in the same way that you would if you were not going through that physical change. It's a physiological change and it's worse in some women than others, but we've all heard about PMS. I know about young girls who start taking some sort of, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, NSAID, like a Tylenol or uh, paracetamol a week before because they're already going through the pain and the discomfort before their actual period begins. Um, so you have to put those things in, in perspective and recognize that women dealing with these things um, need to have a chance to recover from the experience. Recently, there was a study done in India, it was all over the news, where they gave men an opportunity to sort of have a stimulation. Any has seen it, haven't you, Any? Yes. They gave them the chance to have a stimulation of what period cramps were. If you haven't seen it, please go and look at it. And they were wincing and screaming and crying. Can you imagine if a girl is doing that every single day throughout her period? They couldn't tolerate the discomfort. And it was being simulated. So it wasn't even, it was just, let's give you a, a little midget of what a woman or a girl can experience. I thought it was a fantastic study. And the men left there with some sense of, oh, so this is what it is. And here I am struggling to tolerate what was considered a minor discomfort. And you can think of girls going through that every single day and sometimes worse. So you have to put it in perspective until you're a girl or a woman and you experience a menstrual cycle, you have no idea how it changes your mood, your physiology, your immunity, your sleep pattern, everything gets disrupted. So yes, I do agree that it should be taken into consideration. It is not a small matter. It is not a laughing matter. Um, but rather one that physiologically changes a girl and a woman. And many girls do come to school going through all of that discomfort because they can't stay at home. So they come to school. So we, we need to put it in perspective. And I think that study needs to be done in Nigeria. So any, if you can get people to come and do that study and put some men on camera, just the stimulation of it, <laughs> the perspective will change. No, we agree that women are stronger than men in that regard. You know, it's not a, uh, 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 that's it. that comment is a you, microaggressive comment. I don't think so, Dr. Amma, because I, I like, for instance, and here's my argument. Um, why don't men give birth to children? I don't think men can survive it. I've had the privilege to stay in the theater when my wife was about to give birth to our second child. I mean, honestly, at some point I had to leave because when I saw the baby's head, I couldn't fathom that that baby is going to pass through that, uh, you know, that part of our body. So I left the place and when the baby was already out. So personally, I think that um, 
there is a way women are wired that um, men have to appreciate them some more. Uh, but if you're saying that it's important that we consider menstrual leave, how many days are you recommending? Um, wow. Can I, Nishwemi, I want to say here that menstruation comes with health-related issues. Hmm. The spectrum, you don't know. Some people don't have really bad symptoms. And some people like Dr. Amma, you know, spoke about have really extreme symptoms. So you can't sit here and say how many days. But if a woman needs time off from work, she should get it. She should get it. And you know, when I it starts with cramps, some people have severe cramps mm. that they can't even get out of bed for, mm. for days headaches, really bad headaches. You know what I mean? So what's the point going into the office on days like that, really? Let's face it. Mm -hmm. You're in pain, in excruciating pain. You have bad migraine attacks. There's no need. So let's not look at it like how many days. No. There are also some women who don't have, have little or no symptoms, actually. They don't feel anything. They have a few, maybe moody swings, but that wouldn't disturb their productivity at work. But there are some women that have really bad symptoms and can't get out of bed. And I'm sure if there are a few men listening to us today, they would understand because they probably have their wives at home and they know that this time of the month for their wives, they just leave her alone. She can't do the things she normally does in the house, which is maybe cook, clean. She's just can't function. So, you know, let's just be sensitive to what women go through. You know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's not something we should just say three days or two days, no. Indeed. I agree with you, Mrs. Yashi. I think for me, I think that speaks to the support system that's required everywhere, including the workplace. Um, just knowing that women go through these things, but again, they also bring valuable contributions, for example, to the workplace. You should be able to have that flexibility around the system to say, okay, are there days that you can't come in to come to the office, you know, to work? Depends on the severity of the symptoms. You can consider things like, do you need a day off completely? Do you need two days off? Do you need three days off? It depends on how the one feels at that time. But there are some situations that she might probably might not be able to come into the office, but she can do some work from home. So that support is, is important. You know, it just depends on what is needed at that time um, for her to be able to, you know, continue to contribute to the workplace, but also feel healthy. You know, and strong, and then also supported by her bosses and her co-workers at work. So I would say, let's leave it flexible because everyone's needs are different. Some women are menstruating, but they can come to work and still function completely. Some people can't function completely. People prefer to work from home because they will have access to hot water bottles and things like that when they are home. So I think let's be flexible. Let the environment in general be supportive to meet the woman where she is, kind of, because, you know, Women have different experiences while they're menstruating. Well, like Dr. Amma said, we can't exhaust this conversation in a single episode. I'd just like to take a final comment for this. Um, a study was recently conducted in Kenya and some 95% of menstruating girls missed one to three school days. 70% reported a negative impact on their grades and more than 50% stated 
uh, feeling behind in school because of menstruation. I'd like you to speak to what can be done to help uh, the girl child, especially those in school, what we can do as stakeholders and what we're recommending the government to uh, also do to ensure that their education is not badly affected. For me, I think that I want to say here that girls should learn to be shame-free when they're on their period. You know, it's, it, they should, it is a natural process in their development. They should embrace it and they should be confident. All these taboos and myths and social and cultural taboos should be removed completely whereby a girl or a woman is looked at as unclean when she's on her period. She can't cook, she shouldn't do this, she can't do that. I think once we move all those myths and those taboos, we've solved half of the problem because that enables the girl to be confident in her skin, to have a good knowledge of herself and self-love. This is who I am, this is what I'm going through and be honest about it. So that's for me, is the first thing, girls need to be shame-free and the society needs to remove all those taboos and all those myths that surround menstruation because it's, it's a natural process in the life of a, young, of a young girl. It's not going anywhere, it is what it is, you know. Um, then I'm talking about, you, are these, uh, you want, Nika, I mean, is this like conclusion? Exactly, it is. Okay, so I'm just going to conclude using my personal experience. Like I said, when I started, I had very irregular periods and really bad. I could go months without seeing my period. And what I was told was I would not be able to have kids because I didn't have regular periods. I was going to be, in, I would have, in fact, I'll have infertility issues. And that was drummed into my head from secondary school. I didn't know why. I knew there was a hormonal imbalance somewhere, but I didn't really know the details of why it was happening to me. But I want to say I have three kids and I had my three kids without any problems. So that is something else we should talk to girls about. If you have your, you're supposed to have your menstrual period every month, that's what it says, 28 days, 30 days. But if for any reason you have irregular periods, due to some hormonal issues or whatever, some hormonal challenges. That also is something you should be able to discuss with your parents, discuss with your mother, or um, go to a healthcare facility and have a conversation about it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't have kids. Don't let anybody tell you that there's something wrong with you. Okay, Dr. Annie, you're next. Yes, please. I would say I think the support system is important. Um, educate, educating the young girls, like uh, Mrs. Yashi has talked about, is very important um, for having a positive body image. Um, you know, having that sense of self-confidence, even as you evolve from being a girl to a woman, is important so that she gets to enjoy the process and not dread it. I, I think beyond that, it's also having um, adequate support systems in schools so that um, you know, there's adequate access to clean running water, sanitary pads and towels, and then probably some pain relief in the sick bay um, with nurses on standby 
which is really required for any standard school. These are necessities and should be put in place. And then also just the support system. So if a girl doesn't come to school and she misses a test, for example, and you ask her why, you know, you know, and she says, oh, I was on my period, I was in severe pains, it should be taken seriously. You know, because there are situations where people would say, if you don't have a medical report, if you don't have a doctor's report, you cannot do it, you cannot retake really a test. But really um, understanding that uh, the menstrual cycle it itself can cause some severe pains that can prevent a girl from you know, com coming to school regularly or taking a test or whatever. So those types of considerations should also be put in place. So that flexibility and the support systems, even in schools will be important as well. So that if she does miss a test or any grading assignment, she's able to turn it in, even if she has to miss school. But overall is to make school as comfortable as possible for girls who are menstruating to be able to go to school and not suffer accidents and have a good time and still come back home and you know, do what she needs to do. So I think that support system, my final um, recommendation to ensure that girls stay in school and continue to have good grades. Well, you know, we've talked about it throughout this episode and I think the first thing is we need to demystify menstruation. It has to be demystified and to be seen as a part of a girl's life. Um, secondly, we need to bring into schools, into our discussions from families to communities, um, subject of menstrual health and menstrual well-being. Um, parents need to have that reproductive discussion with their children, both boys and girls. It's not just for girls, it's for everyone to be aware of it. We also need to equip our schools from the teachers to the janitors, you know, and put in the proper sanitation, sanitation in terms of water and facilities, but also sanitation in, in terms of products. I think that the three women on here may be the ones to start some sort of period um, product um, campaign. Why not? Why not us? Because there are many girls um, who do not have access to these products. And if you don't have access to these products, then the, the chances of you not taking good care of yourself during this time, um, during that time of the month, uh, it comes into play. But I also think we need to recognize the physiological, mental um, changes emotional changes that girls go through to normalize it by talking about it but also to recognize that allowances must be made and we must recognize that this is a part of a girl's life and this should be taken into consideration in terms of the environment that we create for them whether they're in all girls schools or mixed education schools that needs to be in place um, but most importantly, we need to build confidence in girls as their body changes to recognize that it is normal, it is physical, it is visual, people can see it. We don't want them to become introverted to a point where they're shy and they don't feel like they're worthy. Um, they are worthy and they deserve the right to have um, education and possibilities to the fullest potential. Well, I'd like to say a very big thank you, everyone, for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. A big thank you to Dr. Annie, who's joining the podcast for the first time, Global Public Health Physician, and an expert medical scientific communicator. Glad to have you join us. Mrs. Ngozi Ezeashi is Executive Director at Development Alternatives and Resource Center 
And she also joined the prestigiously abundantly Board of Trustees in November 2021. Well, thank you for listening. On any given day, more than 300 million women worldwide are menstruating. In total, we're told an estimated 500 million lack access to menstrual products and adequate facilities for menstrual hygiene management. So this conversation must go on. And you can join us for our subsequent podcast for a continuation of this discussion. I'm Nifem Yogunsoye. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Dun Sokwa. Thinking Remargined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined Podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society. society.